Hello, product innovators. Today, we learn from a PhD and serial product entrepreneur on developing and launching a medical or wellness hardware product. You're listening to the Product Startup Podcast, the show that helps bring your product idea to life by chatting with successful inventors, product developers, manufacturers, and hardware industry professionals. Our goal here is to get to the bottom of what makes a product successful, from initial idea to getting your product on store shelves. We're taking you step-by-step to build a functional product and scale your product business. Hosted by Kevin Mako, one of North America's leading experts on hardware development for small product businesses. Now, onto the show. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Brian Begwine to the show. Brian is a 20-year medical device entrepreneur with over a half dozen products in the market. He has won a number of awards, including the Top 100 in R&D Magazine. He also has a PhD from the University of Washington in medical devices and hardware. Today, Brian is going to share some valuable knowledge for hardware startups, inventors, and small manufacturers on the difference between a medical device and a wellness device. And if going the medical device route, what are the steps and best practices to get certified? Now, on to the episode. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Happy to have you on. How's uh, life in Denver right now? Today, it uh, just started to flurry. So getting ready for the snow, but it's it's good. Good stuff. Well, look, I'm excited to talk today about medical devices and looking at the difference between wellness devices, medical devices, and the pros and cons between both. But first and foremost, you've got an incredible history, half a dozen products developed in the medical space, uh, your PhD as well. Just give us a quick background of how you started into all this. Yeah, so I um, I have two degrees in physics and uh, grew up in the Midwest of uh, the United States. And I got hired by a, a drug company, Eli Lilly, and found myself uh, feeling a little fish out of water. Decided to try and combine the, the physiology background, drug development background with, uh, with my engineering and physics. And so I uh, went to pursue my PhD in biomedical engineering and applied that to medical devices. And that it's been that's been what I've done for the last two decades now is uh, develop medical devices. Amazing. So let's talk about the difference to start. What is the difference between a certified medical device and essentially a wellness or a health device? That's a great question, Kevin. Uh, There are a number of uh, devices in the marketplace that we think of as wellness. Uh, There's a big surge these days uh, towards wellness. Um, A lot of people want to track their heart rate. I want to track their um, their blood pressure, they, um, a lot of, of uh, over-the-counter products that you can pick up, um, even stress monitors that are out there. Those are all wellness devices. Um, they are not cleared by any kind of regulatory agency, um, the FDA or the medical device directive in, uh, in Europe. Um, and as a consequence, they, they, they really can't be used to make decisions about your medical health or um, and I, I think that's probably the biggest difference is that that uh, that clearance is given so that you could sell into the clinic and decisions can be made about um, how to treat your health. Yeah, I think that's really important when you're, especially if you're developing health wellness product, medical device or whatnot, to really think about your business going forward and where you want to sell that because there's quite a big difference between the accessibility you have in selling something that is certified as a medical device and where that can be sold as opposed to a health and wellness device, which is just generally over the counter selling to the end consumer. Right. And I think it's important to to know whether where you want to take your product. What is the product market fit? And sometimes, sometimes you may say both. 
You may say, I'd like to have a wellness product and I would like to have a, a, a medical device. Um, and if that's the case and you think there are channels outside of the traditional medical environment, you really have to think about putting the medical device development first rather than the, um, than the wellness device, because you can, you can take a medical device and sell it into the consumer marketplace, but to take a consumer product and, and submit it for regulatory clearance is a much uh, bigger uh, hurdle to get over. That's a really important differentiation and knowing which direction uh, that actually flows. A lot of people that build, let's call it a wellness device or something, um, whether it's electronic or non-electronic, and they may think, well, it's much more costly to do all the regulatory approvals to get it to be certified as a medical device. So I'll start in the wellness category. And the reality is, yes, it's far cheaper, far easier. Like you said, it's unregulated. So you can get your product to, to market for the most part, depending on you know if there's certain safety considerations or whatnot. But assuming that you clear all that, you can get to market fairly easily. However, something that Brian mentioned, which is really important, and we'll dive into a bit deeper here in terms of the actual requirements for a medical device, is that it's very difficult to take a product that's already on the market, take that exact same product, and now certify it as a medical device. Brian, can you explain why that is? And then we'll get into how you actually certify your product as a medical device from the onset. Yeah, I think the best place to start with that is to get a clear understanding of, of what's required to make a submission for, for regulatory clearance. And first of all, everybody knows if it's a medical device, it needs to pass safety and efficacy. We've heard a lot about that with the, um, you know, the FDA and, and the vaccines that are in the headlines these days. Is it safe? Does it work? Um, but also, it's it's important to understand that that uh, these regulatory agencies are are looking at how you manufacture the device as well, and so um, you can't you can't build a couple of these uh, or, or four or five of your devices on the on the bench top and go collect some data and say to the to the regulators, I would like to submit this for um, for clearance. They'll say, well, how did you manufacture it? And if, if, uh, if you say, well, we put it together by hand and we collected the data, they will say, okay, well then um, we're gonna certify your hand-built manufacturing process in an effort to get uh, to, to know that, that unit five coming off the line and unit 500 coming off the line are the same. Um, we need statistical significance that you built that many of them. And all of a sudden your whole process is, is, is gone down the tubes because uh, there's so much variation in a hand-built product that you may have to build 2000 of them uh, and destroy them to demonstrate that they have the 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 uh, uniformity and so building in the manufacturing process before you can ever sell it is is you have to understand that as you go towards uh, medical devices but that that should never be a a showstopper uh, especially if uh, if the market is there for your medical device that's a great point. I think that's one of the big pillars that's misunderstood about medical devices as well is the design and the use of the product are, it, it are important, of course, and are necessary, but don't forget about the manufacturing consistency. And that's really in, in product design and engineering, that's good process anyways. You whether, whether it's a medical or a wellness product, you generally want to have that consistency in your production and you want to make sure that that's continuous whether it's the first or the 5,000 one off the line. And that's just for user reviews and for brand continuity and all the rest. But it's really important to think about this in medical devices because you have these different pillars. And that's 
we're talking about the manufacturing pillar. Can you speak to the uh, FXC pillar as well? And then we'll talk about the uh, development uh, or safety, uh, I guess, pillar too, because all of these are important in order for you to actually get your certification. Yeah, that's a that, that's a um, uh, some great points and and a, and a great way to organize it. I think from a from an efficacy standpoint, we you have to ask, you know, what, how well does it work, and um, and that's that from a hardware standpoint, that's really asking questions about engineering verification, um, and uh, with a medical device. The way you go through a verification process with a with a medical device is you start with a specification and you you write every one of those specifications down and then every spec is verified that it that it performs exactly the way that the specification is supposed to and each specific line item in your specification performs at a certain um, a certain consistency uh, from a from a Statistical. I hate to bring up statistics because they're not a fun thing, but statistically, you have to test enough devices, enough of your engineering specs to be able to say, yes, this will perform consistently over and over and over again. So, um, so, so there, so the efficacy piece of it, I think, is really um, is borne out in the engineering design and in the engineering testing and verification process. So. This is a really important piece because to your earlier comment that it's very difficult to medically certify a, a pre-existing manufactured wellness device. It's because this sort of testing or this pillar when it comes to that engineering efficacy is happening in the prototyping phase, in your actual development phase. And this is where you're actually getting those prototypes out there to the market, capturing real data in terms of how they're performing on each of these specs, which you've written down prior. And then confirming those with the regulatory body so that you know, the regulatory body agrees that as you've built a few of these and with you know different audience or whatnot, that the speci specifications that you've set out originally are actually working. And this is before you're even going into production, or it may be part of you know an early production run to do this testing. But either way, it's generally before you're actually going to market. It's almost always before you're going to market. That that's correct, Kevin. And I, I think that it's it's um it's kind of interesting. They talk about V and V verification and validation. And in, in medical device speak, what that means is verification is, did you build the product correctly? And that means I'm taking each one of my specifications and I'm testing it and making sure that it performs the way that the spec says it's supposed to perform. And then there's validation, which means I've put it in the hands of users and they say, this is what I needed. And and um, and so that is answering the question: Did I build the right product? And and when you when you put your specification together for a medical device, you have to articulate in writing what's the intended use of the device. And and so um, if you intend for a device to do something, then you have to put it in the hands of the user and say, Does it do this? And so you have to answer both the question: Did I build it properly? Did I build the device correctly and then you have to answer the question did i build the correct device and so both of those things are extremely important to uh, a, a regulatory body that is is certifying a product now let's talk about the third pillar which is the safety pillar so that's um that's an interesting one and it gets a little um tricky depending on um depending on uh what your device is 
And so um, there are a lot of safety considerations that you would give to just any device, right? I mean, there are UL certifications, there are um, safety certifications that you expect from your vacuum cleaner. Um, and in the same way, uh, you know, if you have moving parts inside of a box and uh, and there's a hole in the outside of the box, you don't want to be able to stick your finger in there and and uh, and and be injured. In the same way with a, with a medical device, there are uh, safety protocols that you have to go through, but there might be some different ones. Like let's say that you're, you have a device that is actually going to come in contact with um, the inside of the mouth or the inside of the nose. All of a sudden I've got biocompatibility safety issues that I have to test. And, and so that adds just a different layer. It's, it's no more difficult than if you, um, you know, are making sure that somebody's not going to cut their finger off if you're making a fan. Um, but it, but but at the same time, you just have to consider that, and you have to think about that um, all the way through the process. So there's there's the safety element too. What are some of the advantages of going the wellness route as opposed to going the medical device route? From your experience, well, I think that. Um, uh, you know, I, I go back to pro, uh, product market fit. If your market, if you're essentially going to make the exact same device and, um, and, and you have a consumer base that wants that device, then um, it's a huge, you know, the, it, it could be a much larger population if you're selling something directly to the consumer. Um, and so the potential there is, is terrific. Whereas if it's a medical device and you're trying to market into the clinic, you may have a smaller population of users, which would be physicians, and it may be physicians in a particular specialty. So, um, you know, there are physicians that, that uh, cardiologists who want, um, they want heart rate monitors. And so they're going to use a, a, medical, a, a, a medical device as a heart rate monitor. It has to have clearance. Um, but you also have another group of people who just want to track their heart rate on a daily basis. And that's a much larger population. And if it's essentially the same device, why not go after the wellness market? It's, it's much bigger and has much more potential for you. Yeah. And it's much easier to get into, but of course there's other considerations just jumping and flipping the scripted moment here, looking at the, uh, you know, the, the downside of that is when you do have a medical device and it is certified, first of all, generally it fetches a higher margin. It's a higher price point because there's obviously a, a much greater assumed development cost that goes into that, which is, of course, the downside. It's almost always more expensive to be certified as a medical device than not certified as a wellness device. But you also have to keep in mind that it's a great potential market where you can hit a lot of people with one wholesale uh, deal as opposed to going after the individual consumer. So uh, one of the things that Brian, you and I talked about on the call, one of your devices, you were able to sell to you know a couple thousand clinics as opposed to having to go out and find 2,000 users of your product. So for your product market fit, it made a lot more sense to go the medical device. device yeah, right? and that, that oftentimes is the case with a, with a medical device. I mean, you may have a, a, a piece of the device that comes in contact with the body and, and, uh, and you want it to be a disposable. And so we have a device that, you know, the company I'm working with now is a, it's a, it's a two-part system. It's a razor, razor blade. We have a disposable test and we have a, a piece of hardware that reads that test. Um, the, the hardware is reusable. And so for every physician's office that I put this device in, there are, there's access to a thousand, uh, 2000 users on average. And so um, I, I place one device and, uh, and sell a subscription 
for 2000 users versus trying to sell the whole system to 2000 families that might use it or 2000 yeah. individuals. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now let's talk about the situation where let's assume that somebody's already in the market for a wellness device, or they don't have the funding, let's say to get it classified as a medical device up front. So they want to first start with the wellness device. I know you said you can't go backwards with the same device, but what is kind of the techniques that somebody that can use use that's in that uh, situation to think about maybe redesigning their product in a way that could classify as a medical device? And what tips do you have around that? Well, I think that um, I, I think that's a great question to sort of ponder because um, one of the things that is required when you start developing a medical device, one of the things that you have to consider is where am I going to get the data? to present to the regulatory body um, and, it, and how many users are there and does it meet the statistical requirement for confidence, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, if you take a wellness device and you're able to retain the data from that device, then you have short-circuited the whole development process that a, a huge chunk of, of medical devices is collecting data for your regulatory submission. And if you've got that data based on a, a, a essentially the same design that you've, you've used for a commercial product, and then you've turned around and said, I'll, 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 I'll do the, um, I'll, I'll complete the design process uh, for a medical device and, and check all the boxes for my design controls and I can import the data now that I've collected from my, my consumer device, uh, you've really short-circuited that process and, and can really give you a jump on, uh, on that uh, submission. Yeah, I think that's important to note just so that people don't feel like it's one or the other forever. Although it's it's certainly easier probably if you start directly as a medical device, because like you said, you can always sell it in both places after that. It's kind of like your ticket for, for, for both options. But on the other hand, if you know budgets are a consideration or you want some of that data, just keep in mind that although you're bringing that data in, you will have to be redesigning the device and going through the proper medical de design, manufacturing, uh, safety requirements of the medical device. But you're doing that with that added benefit of having pre-existing user data, which might help support your case, make it a little bit easier in terms of potentially the amount of prototypes that you would have to test in the market. Maybe that's reduced because you can use some of your prior data. Again, none of this is a perfect science on, the, on this call. A lot of this is product specific, and especially depending on which regulations and which specific criteria fall around your specific medical device. But it's important to know what your options are, at least just theoretically here, so you can explore those further as it matches your business plan. Yeah, I think I think another point that I it, that is important uh, as we talk about this is most startup founders are passionate about what it is they're building, and they really want to build a quality product. And I have found that um, if you put the work in up front and really understand how your product works and how well it performs, you're gonna it, it's gonna make your life a lot easier once it's in the marketplace. And so when, when people start saying this one doesn't work or there's problems and I've got to, you know, I've got to now start uh, trying to decide how I'm going to fix that. If you follow the medical device, I mean, if you hire or, or work with really good engineers, this is not a, as big as a barrier as it seems. It is an understanding of the process and the paperwork that needs to be done. But other than that, from an engineering standpoint, from a hardware development standpoint, it really can be almost identical. Uh, it's not like you have to do these 16 other steps 
on the engineering process in order to get it done. If you're if if you have a passion about something and you really want to do it well, um, you can you can fill all the medical device uh, requirements without um, you know feeling like I'm getting bogged down in the in the swamp. I really like that you brought that up because obviously one of the big things that we pitch is no matter what type of product you're putting to market, focus on quality. And one of the things that we say you can sacrifice is feature creep. Reduce the amount of features to increase the quality of the features which you're left with. And generally as a new product, as a proprietary product, you only have one or two key major value adds that you're bringing to the market in any case. So feature creep can just be very costly, but it can also make all these things much more difficult. But to your point, if you're focusing on quality from day one, really all the medical device uh, certifications are, are ensuring you're doing a project in a quality fashion. So if you're already on that train of thinking, you're already thinking, you know, we're going to do this professionally, we're going to do this right, we're going to get this into the market hands and make sure the market loves it from day one, as opposed to putting something hack and then working our way backwards and probably just losing out, then it's not that big of a stretch. And I love that you brought that up because it's a huge huge uh, agenda that we try and push to startups is if you are doing your MVP and we call it smart MVP at Maco design, make sure that the, that doesn't fall into kind of the traditional tech theory of MVP, which is release crap and then do updates to fix it because that doesn't work in hardware. There is no update for a hardware device. Well, at least for the, the hard portions of it. So focus first on quality and if budgets a consideration, you're much better off reducing the quantity of features and rolling them into a later model than you are on sacrificing quality. I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I, uh, as you know, Kevin, I used to uh, work in, in product development for a product development firm. And we used to have so many people who would come to us with a, with a, a, a medical device that they wanted developed and they would um, they wanted it to be a platform. And so it was like, can you make it so that it does what we want to do but also make it so that it does everything else that we want to do for the next five years. And I can't tell you what that is, but please design it in such a way that it'll expand. And it's like, you're going to do nothing well if, if, uh, if you try and make it do everything from the get-go. And, uh, and it, was a, it was a response to, if we have to do medical device development and it's expensive, how can I save money? Maybe I can do the development for the next five iterations all at once. And I, you know, and I'm, I'm better off for it. It's sort of like, <laughs> you know, we used to say, pay me now or pay me later. Um, just, just do it right. And, and I think you, you're absolutely right. Paring down your spec to, to do what you know you need to do that meets the market needs is, is the best way to approach that situation. Brian, really appreciate your time and all these tips on medical devices today. Thanks again. Looking forward to talking to you soon. Certainly. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast, the show that teaches you what it really takes to bring your product to market and turn it into a big success. This podcast series is brought to you by Maco Design and Invent, the original and leading firm in North America to provide global caliber end-to-end physical consumer product development to startups, inventors, and small product business clients. If you're looking for product development help on your invention, head over to to macodesign.com. That's M-A-K-O design.com for a free consultation from one of Maco Design's four design studios from coast to coast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.